1: Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Mark Shulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current global events. John Miltimore is the editor-at-large for Uh, Fee.org. He wrote a column on the missteps of uh, Fauci during the closed-door hearing in uh, in Congress. And we'll also visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington bureau chief and author of several murder mysteries. It is January the 22nd. And on this day in 1973, of Roe v. Wade, the landmark Supreme Court decision that established a woman's legal right to abortion was decided. The court ruled in 1972's decision that a woman's right to choose an abortion was protected by the privacy rights guaranteed by the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. The legal precedent for the decision was rooted in the 1965 case of Griswold v. Connecticut, which established the right to privacy involving the medical procedures. Despite opponents' characterization of the decision, it was not the first time that abortion became a legal procedure in the United States. For most of the country's first 100 years, abortion as we know it today was not a criminal offense. In the 1700s and early 1800s, the word abortion referred only to the termination of a pregnancy after quickening, the time when the fetus first began to make noticeable movements. The induced ending of a pregnancy before this point did not even have a name, uh, but not because of it was uncommon. Women in the 1700s often took drugs to end their unwanted pregnancies. In 1827, through Illinois, passed a law that made the use of abortion drugs punishable by up to three years in prison. After uh, other states followed the Illinois example, advertising for female monthly pills, as they were known, was still uncommon uh, through the uh, middle of the 19th century. Abortion itself, this is so interesting, uh, only became a serious criminal offense in the period between 1860 and 1880, and the criminalization of the abortion did not result from moral outrage. The roots of the new law came from the newly established physicians' trade organization, the American Medical Association. Doctors decided that abortion practitioners were unwanted competition and went about eliminating that competition. The Catholic Church joined the doctors in condemning the practice. So fascinating. By the end of the century, all states had uh, laws against abortion, but for the most part, they were rarely enforced. And women with money had no problem terminating a if they wished. It, was, uh, it wasn't until the late 1930s that abortion law was enforced. Subsequent crackdowns led to a re- uh, reform movement that succeeded in lifting abortion restrictions in California and New, New York uh, before the Supreme Court decision in Roe v. Wade. Such a fascinating background on the whole topic of abortion. Well, Michigan head uh, football coach Jim Harbaugh spoke at the annual Right to Life rally in Washington, D.C. It was cold and it was populated by thousands and thousands of folks. This happened on Friday, just 11 days after he won the first national championship. Harbaugh, who's 60 years of age, has never hidden his faith throughout his playing and coaching careers. He previously said that if one of his players at Michigan... Were to father a child through an unplanned pregnancy, he and his wife, Sarah, would step up to give the child a chance at life. On January the 8th, Michigan defeated Washington to win its first national title since 1997. And by the way, Harbaugh is rumored, of course, to be interviewing for several vacant NFL head coaching jobs. But what a man. And so if you can imagine volunteering and telling his players, uh, really setting a moral example for them, not to think that's great leadership. Well, the S&P 500 and the Dow finished Friday at all-time highs. Soaring tech stocks helped the S&P blow past uh, both intraday and closing records set in January 22. Uh, U.S. consumer sentiment just made its biggest jump in uh, two months' jump since uh, 1991. The university's Consumer Sentiment Index offered, offers a monthly snapshot of how Americans feel about their finances, business conditions, and what the future holds. And with the job market going strong and inflation on decline, Americans haven't felt this good about the economy since the summer of 2021. In the first half of the month, the consumer sentiment reading jumped 13.1% from December, putting it at 29% above where it was in November. Meanwhile, inflation expectations for the coming year dropped to 2.9% from 3.1% in December, the lowest since uh, late 2020, Analysts say uh, gas prices and lower mortgage rates and a stock market rebound helped boost uh, the mood of the country. Nevertheless, uh, people are still uh, suffering from inflation for the past two years. And uh, I don't think that's going to be helping uh, Biden so much. Well, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis ended his Republican presidential campaign Sunday, two days before the New Hampshire primary. He came in second behind uh, President Donald Trump in uh, the Iowa caucuses by 30 percentage points. Announced his exit on X while entering, uh, endorsing Trump. Former President Trump uh, said he's very honored to have the endorsement of uh, Governor Ron DeSantis and said in a statement following the news of the, his uh, suspending his presidential campaign, I look forward to working together with him to beat Joe Biden, who is the worst and most corrupt president in the history of the country, uh, Trump said. He also announced that he's retiring the name DeSanctimonious. <laughs> kind of humorous. Anyhow, observers said that the support uh, they support uh, support to Sanders would be garnered from the New Hampshires, likely to go to Trump, widening Trump's lead in the state. And Haley, who is endorsed by New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu, is turning to independent voters for support. And of course, we've all heard about uh, her looking for support from the Democrats as well. Uh, New Hampshire is also holding a Democrat primary Tuesday, though President Joe Biden won't appear on the ballot, making it easier for Democrats to vote for uh, Haley. The Democrat National Committee, at Biden's request, has instead selected South Carolina to be the first primary of its 2024 uh, campaign, set for February the 3rd. Well, this is a trouble. We've heard some good news about the economy. Commercial real estate is facing a mountain of debt that many borrowers could have uh, trouble refinancing due to a rapid hike in interest rates and record vacancies, according to the Wall Street Journal around $2.81 trillion in commercial real estate loans are set to expire through 2028, meaning borrowers would either have to pay the amount outright or finance the debt with higher interest rates, according to the data. Uh, Most commercial real estate loans that are coming due were acquired and fixed when interest rates are far lower, meaning any refinancing would substantially increase the cost of holding the debt. Additionally, Uh, Rising vacancies in the sector, particularly for office space due to more businesses allowing workers to operate from home, have decreased many property owners' cash flow as they struggle to sell or rent their office space. Interest rates in commercial real estate are being swollen from hikes by the Federal Reserve to the federal fund rate, which is currently sitting in a range of 5.25 to 5.5%, the highest rate in 22 years after a series of hikes starting in March of 2022. Uh, Of course, all that's to fight inflation. Borrowers could get some relief in the coming year from cuts in the federal funds rate, with a meeting of uh, Fed's governors projecting the rate to end the year 2024 at 4.6 percent. Small and mid-sized banks, those outside the top 25 in terms of assets, uh, held about 67.2% of all commercial real estate loans in March of 2023, but owned only 37.6% of total loans. Well, this really puts a, a target on the back of small banks. Small and mid-sized banks are still reeling from a crisis that hit the sector in 2023, uh, leading depositors to flee the bigger banks to bigger banks, where they feel their money is safer from banks' runs and uh, resulting shutdowns. So there's still trouble brewing in the economy, even though uh, there's some good news when it comes to inflation and consumer sentiment. President Joe Biden signed the stopgap funding legislation on January the 19th on Friday to continue to fund the government until early March, putting off a government shutdown for several more weeks until a full funding measure can be agreed upon by by Congress. Congress approved the legislation one day before a government deadline, uh, sending the measure to, message, uh, measure to President Biden's desk for his signature. House Democrats joined Republicans to pass the measure on the evening of January the 18th, 314 to 108 vote. Earlier in the day, the Senate approved it uh, 77 to 18. The legislation extends the deadline for Congress to pass its annual appropriations bill to March 1st and March 8th. The move marks Congress' third stopgap spending bill in four months. A $1.59 trillion spending cap for the fiscal year was agreed upon by House and Senate leaders mirroring the agreement reached last year during the debt limit negotiations between then-Speaker Kevin McCarthy and the President. An extra $10 billion in IRS staff layoffs is part of the agreement, which modifies the previous arrangement. It also includes a $6.1 billion uh, funding of COVID-19 to fight COVID-19 and increase in defense spending to $886 billion. Legislators uh, negotiated a 5.2% pay raise for members of the military and $704 billion for other discretionary spending. A side agreement reached would also provide roughly $70 billion in further non-defense appropriations. Representative Andy Biggs from Arizona responded to the passage of leg- legislation on social media saying, Another day, another horrible continuing resolution passed in the nation's capital. This CR means our border remains wide open and nothing will be done to lower our $34 trillion uh, amount of national debt. We need more folks to stand up against the D.C. cartel, and boy, that is absolutely true. It's just uh, continuing the same old same, and thus, uh, in my opinion, we should close the government until we get the border closed, and uh, that is a, uh, I quite quite frankly, the the chip that Mike Johnson needs to use in order to uh, get this taken care of. Well, over 80 people died amid a nationwide cold snap over the past week as Arctic air pushed through as far as Texas and Florida. Frigid temperatures and ice storms are expected much of the uh, eastern two-thirds of the country today before a rapid rise in temperatures later in the week. Uh, Ice storms left nearly 50,000 households without power over the weekend in Oregon where a state of emergency was declared. Memphis, Tennessee set a daily record low last week as uh, several water mains burst and prompted a citywide boil advisory. The Port County in Indiana saw a record two feet of lake-effect snow, while football fans in Buffalo, of course, were once again tasked with shoveling snow from the Bills Highmark Stadium ahead of the last night's uh, NFL game. Seventy percent of the winter weather related to deaths occur in vehicle accidents, and the majority of victims are men over the age of 40. And a trip to the Super Bowl is on the line Sunday when San Francisco 49ers play Detroit Lions and the Baltimore Ravens take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Great games this weekend. I hope you had a chance to see them. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. And now serving dinner 4 to 8 p.m. Wednesdays through Saturdays a terrific menu. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. 4541.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with John Mildmore. He is the editor at large at fee.org. Right now, we have with us Mark Schumann. He's the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. I hope you check it out. It's historycentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
2: Always a pleasure, Bob.
1: Thank you, Mark. Well, We'll talk about current global events. And uh, right now, I should mention to our listeners that Mark is in uh, Tel Aviv, in Israel. So, right in the center of the storm, so to speak, when it comes to uh, what's happening around the world. So let's start off with uh, Israel and the Middle East and Hamas and all the things that are happening there.
2: Okay, so we can, we'll try to divide this. There are three, three stories, maybe even four, that are interrelated, mm-hmm. um, but they're sort of little separate stories. So let's first start with Israel and Gaza. Israel's gained control of about two-thirds of Gaza at the moment, but it has not successfully um, managed to reach either it's the hostages or uh, the leadership of Hamas. They've eliminated lots of Hamas leaders, but not the top leaders at all.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Israel discovered the fact that the tunnels that were under Gaza were much deeper and many more than they possibly thought. There was like 600 kilometers of, of, of uh, tunnels under Gaza. Wow. And they're working fighting inside the tunnels, but uh, obviously once you go into the tunnels, you lose some of the advantages in terms of firepower that Israel has in the war. Moving slowly to limit casualties at this point um, but in this what's called Khan Yunus, which is one of the cities in Gaza they've slowly been taking control of it and pushing Hamas out and trying, they they believe there are hostages under the city but they still don't know that mm. for a fact because I think I personally think they may have gone on to Rafiach, which is the next town um, dealing with pressure from the world um, both in terms of um, both in terms of civilian casualties, and both in terms of the day after. Uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu doesn't want to talk about the day after because his coalition won't stay together with the day after. Right. Um, the world does not seem to understand. This is one of the interesting things. Even Israel's best friends in the world, um, including the United States at this point, have a hard time understanding that as much as most Israelis would like some sort of peace settlement, no one is after what happened on October 7th. Willing to talk right now yeah. about a Palestinian state doesn't mean they wouldn't be willing to talk about it in a year or two. But right now the the wounds are so fresh, and I don't think people quite understand that that no one is willing to to talk about giving any more sovereignty to, to the Palestinians at, at this moment.
1: So, Mark, Mark I like just asked a couple couple questions uh, for yes. the first time this morning. I read that the the population of uh, Hamas was about twenty five to thirty thousand. And apparently, thirty percent of the of those thirty twenty-five to thirty thousand have been wiped out as a result of this. What's happened to this uh, uh, operation in, in uh, uh, Gaza? Uh, the other thing I've heard is that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, please that uh, that uh, they uh, <clears throat> well, I forgot my point. <laughs> excuse me, Mark. Well, 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 there is a uh,
2: there is quite a um, divide in Israel right now between. Those that are saying we need to do everything to get the hostages back, give up on the war basically uh-huh. in return for getting back the hostages, including uh letting out of jail seven thousand security prisoners and terrorists that have been caught, including the ones who took part in uh the October seventh massacre uh-huh. and that's Hamas's um demands and pulling out of Gaza and everything else that's Hamas's demands for giving up the hundred hostages that may or may not all be alive at this point and the general sense that they're not all alive. Right. Um, so, and so there's a real divide in the country between those people who are saying uh, the, the hostages first. Obviously, the families of the hostages uh, clearly saying hostages first. We don't care about anything else. Right. And people who are saying we need to defeat Hamas and keep on on fighting um, until we do, and we can't let out all all of these terrorists from jail in order to get back the hostages. So, very difficult. Uh, yeah dilemma let's put it this way let's let's put it let's say this way i am glad i'm not the person who has to make that decision
1: on the other That's hand helpful. i respect the fact that uh israel is marching on with their with their plan to eliminate hamas which i think is just absolutely critical i think the noise around the world is uh not helping
2: no absolutely not it's not helping at all the noise is coming mostly from the rest of the world it's happening a little bit from the united states obviously yeah um particularly from the progressive parts of the Democratic Party and the isolationist parts of the Republican Party. So mm. um we're in that in that place right now. So right. in the meantime going forward, but it's not simple because there are a lot of civilians in the in what's left of Gaza and you know, it's not in Israel's interest or or plans to try to kill civilians. Some do get killed obviously, but that's not the plan and so now it's it's much more difficult to move forward and to keep uh keep the civilian deaths down, especially since Hamas uses them as human shields.
1: So, Mark, I, I so. remember my other point. Uh, I have read that 25,000 uh, Gazans have been uh, killed since the start of this um, uh, mission by uh, Israeli uh, army, but can we track to trust those numbers? And that comes from the uh, Gazan health uh, because right, so so A,
2: we can't trust the numbers at all. That's yeah. number one. You know, it, it, it amazes me that anyone even uses their numbers after what we saw earlier in the war. If you, I don't know if you remember when they claimed that five hundred people were killed on an attack on a hospital by right, Israel, right, right. and it turned out that a the people were killed by a, a rocket that was fired by by someone from from Gaza that accidentally landed in the hospital parking lot, and maybe twenty people got killed. Right. But Uh, Are are those 500 part of the Mm 24,000? Who knows? There's no reliable numbers. But let's, for the sake of argument, take that 24,000 number as correct, right? Uh About 10,000 of those are Hamas fighters. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Okay, so that's 10,000 fighters and 14,000 civilians, which means uh, 1 to 1.4 ratio. The United Nations states that in urban warfare, the normal ratio is one fighter to nine civilians getting killed. Hmm. Hmm. And so, you know, in, in raw numbers, it's high. It's it, it's high. You know, okay, fourteen thousand people is a large number, uh, but and it's sad. Um, but you know, I don't. Again, not to compare anything to World War Two, Dresden, or the firebombings of of Tokyo and the other cities, but fourteen thousand in an urban warfare situation when you've killed ten thousand fighters of the other army. Yeah. It's terrible, but it's it's way under the norms.
1: Yeah, it's, it's great context, Mark. Thank, thank you for that. That's good context.
2: So, okay, so that's Gaza. Now we can move up to Lebanon, which um, Hezbollah, mm-hmm. since the beginning of this war, has been firing rockets into Israel and missiles, which is the more problematic element. Uh, their missiles are anti tank missiles, which they're not using on tanks because the tanks have protection, mm-hmm. but they're using on civilian. Vehicles, civilian buildings, most of the, almost all the towns and villages along the border have been completely evacuated. With some farmers going back to tend to their uh, their crops or whatever they need to during the day or at night. Um, but they've significantly been damaging uh, structures along the border because of the anti tank missile is a line of sight missile. That there's not enough time for any sort of defense. Yeah. The rockets Israel has a rocket defense system for. But the missiles are line of sight, and they're very, very quick, and so there's very little that can be done in that period of time. Mm. Um, so most of the, there are about 140,000 people that have been evacuated from communities along the uh, a- along the border, mm. and Israel's getting tired. Of the people who want to go home, and the question is what to do next.
3: Mm-hmm. There's
2: an attempt at reaching some sort of an agreement that relates to giving uh, Lebanon a couple of. Disputed border zones, even though the border is the United Nations border, uh, Lebanon and particularly Hezbollah never ex- never accepted that. There's one uh, Druze village that they think should be part of Lebanon. Um, so there was talk about making some sort of deal like that, and in return, Hezbollah would honor the UN resolution that they were supposed to be honoring, that calls for their fighters to stay north of the Latani River. Hmm. Uh, so far, that hasn't worked out. Um, Israel is giving some sort of deadline for. For taking more massive action against uh, Hezbollah, they've managed to eliminate a number of their key people, um, as you know, with, with, as time going on, and also some key Iranians. Um, but right now, um, it's not clear how that's going to go. A major war with Hezbollah would be problematic because they have 150,000 rockets, wow, and could overwhelm Israel's defense systems. And possibly some of them are, are smart, and they could theoretically hit. Uh, key infrastructure places, um, but of course, if they do that, Israel will turn Beirut into, you know, into ruins, which nobody wants.
1: Nobody wants, happen, indeed. So. Mark, we need to take just a little break. Can you stick around?
2: Absolutely, Bob.
1: We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs>
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show, here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network.
1: Are you looking to buy or sell a home? This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near-record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310.
0: Bob
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. You can find out more and get some tickets to some great performances coming up. Go to gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Always a pleasure, Bob.
1: Thank you, Mark. So um, we've got so much more to talk about with regard to Israel and the Middle East. What about the activity of the Houthis? Okay,
2: so the Houthis continue to try to shoot at uh, ships in the Red Sea and in the Gulf of Aden. Uh, The United States, for six nights, has attacked Houthi targets, the United States with Great Britain. Um, It's always been a difficult uh, thing to to hit missile sites because a lot of them are hidden and hidden inside the cities and everything else relating to that. Mm -hmm. Um, Look, the Hooties have to be stopped. It's always been America's role in the world, as I mentioned before, back to the Barbary Pirates time. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, that's one role that the United States can't walk away from because there is no other country in the world that can ensure freedom of the seas. Um, So we'll have to see. Um, You know, they seem a bit crazy. There's no other way, no other way to describe it.
1: Absolutely um, nuts. I mean, they, and they're saying they're not going to stop in, until the uh, 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 a war with Hamas is ceased by the by the Israelis. So that's not going to happen. So right.
2: So not at all clear. Uh, like I said, they they need to be stopped. Now they're a um, they work for Iran to a very large extent, um, and Iran was interested in doing this. Iran. Um, may have found things have gotten a little bit out of out of control, and not in the ways they would like, mm-hmm. because they um, they are the ones who are behind Hezbollah. But Hezbollah is not really you know it's made noise, but hasn't done all that much. Hamas was one of the organizations they supported, and they're clearly on the losing side, although they haven't lost yet in terms of Gaza. And then um, there was attacks inside of Iran um, a week ago by. ISIS, who's alive and well, it seems, still. And ISIS doesn't like Iran. I mean, you know, it's you, you can't believe the people who hate each other. is pretty amazing when it comes, to, comes down to it. Yeah. So Iran responded this past week by firing missiles at three different countries. They fired missiles at Iraq, claiming they were shooting at a location where a, a Mossad, which is Israel's spy agency, is located. They actually just killed an Iranian, a, a, Kurdist, a Kurdish businessman and his family. Mm. They fired a rocket into Syria at what they thought was a militant group or maybe part of ISIS. It's not clear where. And much to everyone's surprise, they fired a missiles at, at Pakistan. Mm. And Pakistan got extremely upset that their sovereignty was being attacked. And both countries they severed diplomatic relations with Iran um, the Iranians claim they were firing at a uh, separatist terrorist group located in Pakistan. I mean, in Pakistan, anything's possible. As we know, Pakistan is a wild west of terrorism in many ways, but the Pakistanis do not um, particularly like their sovereignty being attacked so blatantly. Uh, they ended up hitting a mosque and killing two little girls. Wow. Uh, so you know, it shocked everybody, right? I mean, no one in the world ever thought that, Iran was about to go attack Pakistan of all people. Another Muslim country, it's Muslim Sunni, not Shiite, but still. Um, and there isn't one of these long you know, long disputes between Pakistan and and Iran like there is between Iran and Saudi Arabia. So they went a little crazy to be quite honest with you.
1: Well, it sounds like the so, seeds were a world war or a regional war anyhow, so this is very very dangerous time in my opinion.
2: Oh, absolutely very dangerous time. It's a very dangerous time, and it's an unclear time, too. I mean, in other words, it, it, it's not clear exactly who you know who's against who in this, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. war, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, the, the key is, of course, American force, the threat of American force um, is very important in these cir- circumstances. Um, hopefully, American force won't be needed other than some bombing missions. Now, the U.S. did lose two SEALs. Um, in an, a, um, they're not really sure how they got lost, but in other words, they there was a merchant ship that was intercepted and in the seal that was carrying weapons from Iran to the Houthis, and the seals took control of the vessel and uh, removed all the arms. Two two seals were lost in this operation. Again, it's not clear if they fell over sea oh, overboard or what, because and yeah. um, their bodies unfortunately haven't been found either.
1: Scary. Well, before I let you go, Mark, can I get a little update on what's happening in China?
2: The most important thing that happened in China was the cystics came out. And once again, this year, the Chinese have lost people. There are 1.2 million more deaths than there were births this year in China. And this is a long-term demographic trend that is continuing. It's the contracting of the Chinese economy, which when you have less workers every year, because more and more workers are retiring, and less and less are entering the workforce. It limits your ability to accomplish many things, and economic growth tends to be close to negative when your population is decreasing. Growing population, either by natural birth or immigration, is usually good for people's economy. Right. Uh, uh, decrease in population is bad. So.
1: Plus, they've got uh, this uh, this economic cliff that they're hanging on to right now, especially with regard to the real estate.
2: Right. Well, uh, on all levels, it's it's a real problem, let's put it that way. It's a real problem because uh, there are more and more people in their their equivalent to Social Security and less and less people to pay for it. The same problem the United States has talked about, but the U.S. so far has avoided the issue because of immigration. Mm -hmm. So that's a whole other discussion, but immigration is good for economics, let's put it that way, especially when you're having a low birth rate
1: especially and when it's legal immigration. <laughs> so
2: Absolutely, but you got to decide on that, too. Yeah, that's exactly
1: right. But a- any comments on what's happening in Germany?
2: Just briefly, there were tremendous demonstrations, and this goes back to the same topic, in Germany against the far right that's running in the current election coming up, and the far right is demanding deportation of all the refugees that are in Germany. Yeah. Now, I don't think it's necessarily that that's bringing out the people, Mm. but it's the whole question of the far right coming to power or or gaining power in Germany with the history that Germany has. And literally yesterday there were a million people on the streets in Berlin uh, protesting the far right. There were demonstrations of similar sizes in almost every major city in Germany yesterday. Interesting. Um, Again, uh, people fear the uh, echo of Nazism, if not Nazism itself.
1: Mark Schumann, again, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com Great for multimedia website Great for kids of all ages, including you and I HistoryCentral.com Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show
2: Always a pleasure, Bob
1: Thank you, Mark All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with John Miltimore John is the editor-at-large for Fee.org We're going to do that and more Right here on the Bob Harden Show On the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network
0: Harden Show here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network.
1: Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with forty percent strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America.
0: Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Tim Garrett, candidate for Collier County Supervisor of Elections. He's a 33-year resident of Collier County, a military veteran, a retired sheriff's officer, and a graduate of the FBI National Academy. Tim stands for Safe, Secure, Ethical Elections in Collier County. Vote for Tim Garrett. And check out his website, VoteForTimGarette.com, paid for by Tim Garrett, Republican for Collier County Supervisor of Elections. And also, by the way, he's a great guy. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us John Miltimore. John is the editor-at-large for Fee.org. John, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
4: Hey, good morning, Bob. Great being with you.
1: Thank you so much, John. Tell us about Fee.org.
4: Yeah, FEE is an organization. We've been around a long time, since 1946. Uh, our mission is to educate the next generation on economics and individualism and the other ingredients necessary for creating a free and prosperous society.
1: FEE.org is the website. I hope you check it out. So, Mark uh, John, you wrote such an interesting piece, Fauci Admits to Multiple COVID-19 Missteps during co- closed-door hearing. I think that this is the first that we've actually seen a reveal of what actually happened there. Maybe you could tell us about it.
4: Yeah, you know, it, it's one of those meetings. I wish I could have been a, a fly on the wall for this one because um, he was there for about 14 hours, and he was, you know, like like you say, it was behind closed doors. So so we, we don't even have a transcript yeah. yet of what was said. But what we, well, we do have are our, our, our media reports, um, in, in, in quotes, you know, in in, in you know, like I said, reports of what was discussed during that, and those those, those enough, at, at, you know, actually do offer a pretty good glimpse of a lot of things that were discussed. Hopefully, we get a transcript of that in the next week or two. Um, and, and Fauci will be offering public testimony at some point down the road. We're told, um, but but some of the things he discussed were were, were really damning. Um, you know, you know so, some things you know Fauci still can't. Re- re- admit in, in like school closures came up and he said he's not convinced that that students actually suffered uh in you know from this we have a, we have a whole bunch of evidence that, that says that's not true like right. you, you can see all over the place we have you know all kinds of metrics um, showing that that students did really suffer and um, you know a lot I said a, a story from you know Harvard magazine that offered all kinds of data on that front the new york times has written about it extensively um but you know, I think just focusing on what Fauci did admit. Um, you know we all went to the restaurant, right? And we all did this, so we're going to stand six feet apart. Right. And Fauci uh, admits that it was really just kind of concocted out of thin air, that there was no science behind that. Yep. Um, and a couple of years ago, people started pointing out, why are we doing this? Like, what's?" The... And they didn't offer any answers, so that shouldn't maybe surprise us. Um, but I think it's very illustrative, because so much of what was going on uh, during that period they were just orders. People were just giving orders and saying, "This is what you have to do." And there wasn't enough people questioning the orders or pushing back on them. And we, you know, we, we adopted this ham-fisted approach. So you just got to do what you're told and, um, and, and and don't ask. And I think that's very dangerous. And if you look throughout history, you know, when, when people just comply with orders, really bad things happen. Right. Um, and that's just one example of, of one of Fauci's additions. And we, we can go into more. Um, if you'd like,
1: uh, well, you know, how about the mass? I mean, wearing a mask is kind of like uh, putting up a chain link fence to keep mosquitoes out.
4: <laughs> it doesn't, it, you know, th- that one, that one always bogg- boggled my mind. It's funny because a-, a friend of mine adopted the mask early on and I didn't think anything of it, right? Yeah. I hadn't looked at the science closely of this and he's a very smart guy and started wearing masks and, uh, I didn't bother me. Yeah. And even though, the- but at the time, if you look the, the 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 guidance we were given was telling people well mask isn't going to help you and this is something fauci was saying this is something the surgeon general is saying that don't bother with masks they're going to be useless well something switched at some point and said well we actually think masks work and uh I'm like okay now they're saying they work first they didn't now they do well they didn't stop there they said now you have to wear one and if you don't we might arrest you, yeah. you know, like 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 we saw how things got carried away. People got shot, like like for not wearing masks. So yeah. People, you know, we can't forget that. And and it shows whether a mask is effective or not. You know, you have people who adamantly say yes, they are. And you know, people that say no, of course not. And and I'm not going to stand on here and, and get in those debates. I have my own opinions, and they're probably much like yours. But I think we have to have some humility here and say. You know, this is this is a question that's difficult. There's a lot of different things. What, what we shouldn't do is just just start making people do what we think is best. Right. And uh, you know, that that was another example. He he addressed the whole Wuhan lab as well, which is is something for me. I've I've dug into this a lot because um, we still don't know where where COVID came from. And to mm-hmm. me, that that's that's something. We need to know, and, and we have to actually look. And there's not a lot, like, ask yourself, Bob, why haven't we had a, a some sort of congressional committee right. to investigate the origins of COVID? I, I, to me, it's shocking that something of this magnitude, um, we don't have a congressional, you know, committee saying we're going to find out the origins of COVID. And if you pull back things we really don't want to know. I think, I think everybody does know. I think we know now with, with some pretty, if you look, even federal agency, it's most likely this came from the Wuhan lab, Right, but they don't really want to dig there. I think they're afraid of what they'll find. Um, and, uh, Fauci admits now, Look, this isn't a conspiracy theory. There is, you know, a lot of evidence that points to this. But, but during the pandemic, if you made that point, you could be you could lose your job. You could be suspended from Twitter or kicked off Facebook or all these other things. And just for just for you know, positing a theory like, hey, this lab over here works on these viruses that are you know, and it, the virus came from there. And um, you know, it, it was it was really frightening and bizarre to see. Say nope. To take approach that we're just we're just going to fire you or suspend you or you can't even talk about that. That's not science, right? No. We throughout the pandemic <laughs> we're told follow the science. That's not science to say you can't question something.
1: That's so true. And, uh, and there was a complicit, uh, the CDC was complicit in all this, the FDA. I, I just think about people that went in the hospital and uh, could have had some very effective drugs and treatment in order to, to uh, deal with the, uh, the COVID, but uh, instead uh, they pushed the vaccines and, and in many ways the vaccines have proven to be ineffective.
4: Yeah, you know, it's funny. Fauci even touched on that point. You know, he, he, you know, he conceded that all their efforts to to make people take vaccines, which I I, I think is is just something, when you're when you're making someone take something that could have a very serious effect on their health, and we know that all vaccines come with with injuries that uh, it's incredibly dangerous and they right. threw that out the window and said oh you're going to take our vaccine and, and as you say we're we're not going to let you even look at these other treatments what what did that do and it, it it fueled broader vaccine hesitancy and it's not just the covid vaccine people don't want to take any vaccines now it's it's created it's created a whole bunch of fear around them and Fauci conceded that 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 his his policies inadvertently fueled that um these are all things you know economists can tell you about these things. These are, these are unintended consequences of policies that said, you know, a, a lot of times you have a policy and you want to do this. Well, what else happens? And this is something Bastiat wrote about in the 19th century. A good economist is, is considering all the things that, that can happen, that, that, that go beyond what you're trying to do. And we really didn't have a lot of people in the room. Trying to answer those questions. There's people outside the room trying to do that. The Great Barrington, you know, Declaration, and so forth, saying like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's just pump the brakes here and try to make you know sound public policy, right? And, and, and instead of just you know forging ahead without really thinking what we're doing and, and saying." That's how you end up with, with with all these so some really crazy policies.
1: Yeah, and just um, think with, about the yeah. uh, the whole notion of medical privacy. I mean, Roe v. Wade they cited uh, medical privacy in the Fourteenth Amendment in order to pass Roe v. Wade. This is Supreme Court in seventy three. What happened to medical privacy when COVID came out? I mean, it, it was take the shot, <laughs> you know, yeah. don't even see your doctor. It was just just amazing.
4: Yeah, it, it's a great point. <laughs> And and I remember like like, like all this is having so some people are are still saying my body my choice talking about other issues, yeah. um, you know like, like the, these these slogans. Um, yeah, it, it was a frightening time, which is why I think we need to yes. not just say okay that period's over. Let let's just move on. Otherwise, we're going to be there again. So I really think that the the, the the testimony that Fauci offered needs to be analyzed, we need to, you know, once we get the full transcript, we need answers on this front. If we just move on from this, there's going to be another crisis in five years or ten years, and it it could be just like this one. It
1: might be this year. Again, John, (laughs) John, I hope not. John Miltimore, the editor-at-large at at fee.org. I hope you check out the very robust website, fee.org, F-E-E.org. John, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks a lot for having me on, Bob. You have a great week. You as well. Thank you, John. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, and writing some terrific murder mysteries. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in their elected office. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.com. Dot org. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He's now retired from that important work, and he's writing some murder mysteries, and they are terrific. His first is Follow the Leader, its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and his latest, No Problem, is the name of the mystery. Again, Jim McTagg, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
3: Hey, It's great, Bob, and the mystery I'm trying to solve today is uh, how does Joe Biden, who the poll show is the most unpopular president since World War II by a huge margin. And that's one contest he wins hands down. How does he win in a contest, head-to-head contest against Donald Trump? And um, the only solution I see for him is that he replaces Kamala Harris with some knockout uh, politician with universal appeal. Because I think I, I'm not an actuarial scientist, but I think the average person looks at Biden and wonders: Is this guy going to make it through another term? I think the answer is, most people say is no way. So the so for him, you know, the the uh, surprise move that would maybe put Trump on the defensive is a super VP choice. Now Trump says is there is one in, the, is
1: there one in the Democrat party Jim
3: I can't think of one no. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's the problem I mean it would it would have to be somebody that that we haven't paid much attention to and uh you know who somehow has a uh, you know magnificent smile and a, and a vision for the country it's yeah. certainly not Kamala Harris you know now, now, now Trump uh He's being cute about it. He says the VP choice doesn't matter that much, but I think he realizes that even for him, the number two spot is really crucial in this race because of his age.
1: Mm. And,
3: uh, you know, he's been throwing all sorts of names around. I mean, Lindsey Graham, who is 68, he's probably too old. but but He's Steve a Graham, warmonger, too. <laughs> yeah, but he, he's very popular in South Carolina, so I think... You know, Trump is tossing that name around uh, because of the the primary in, in South Carolina. Yeah. He talks about J.D. Vance who comes up all the time, and and you know some, you know uh, possibly a woman. Uh, he's 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 going to keep his powder dry on the VP yeah. because I I think he he must realize that Biden's in a bind and and they may try to pull a rabbit out of the hat.
1: So I mean, uh, Jim, all you hear from Biden is this, uh, he's he's against. You got to watch out for uh, MAGA extremists. <laughs> if you think I'm bad, they're going to be worse. I think that's <laughs> that's what he's running on. Unbelievable! It's just he has because he has nothing to run on. It, can you, I, I have difficulty coming up with one thing that he's done to, that uh, increases the quality of life of people here in the United States?
3: Yeah, it's incredible. The um When you look at all the polling, you know, the economy, I think the economy has uh, improved. I see that prices for hard goods and even some foodstuffs have fallen dramatically. So, you know, if you go into uh, Walmart, uh, where my nieces joke, you find Walmartians, um, (laughs) you look at their big screen televisions. You can get a uh, big screen TV with maybe last year's technology. I mean, it's not the best and the brightest, but for for $300 or less for like a, you know, a 55-inch television, uh, you can go there and look at their laptops and PCs. You can get a really decent piece of equipment for under $300.
1: Well, here's the the interesting thing you've seen. Because of technology, uh, you've seen the prices of uh, things Go down substantially now. We still have inflation because the things that really matter have gone up in price. And I'm talking about food and energy and so forth. But uh, my goodness, the, the price of... Uh, I bought my our first uh, uh, TV, the uh, big screen TV for $10,000. You can get the same TV right now for about four or $500. Yes, it's, a,
3: it's amazing. But uh, to your point, the, the
1: working Joe
3: with three or four kids to feed... Uh, even though there has been some retreat on prices, uh, you, you know, children eat like locusts. Uh, housing costs are up. Yeah. It's still really there's still these guys are have a pay increase, but they're still living paycheck to paycheck. So, so the uh, quality of of life has not improved that much, and so they still have that anxiety, and that's going to take. Some time to be squeezed out of the economy. It's the the mood is not going to change in time for the election uh, no. to to be of any benefit to Biden.
1: So, do, do you think um, he's going to be the candidate?
3: Well, I, I know that the party is agitating to replace him, but I think he would have had to step down by now mm. because uh, because of the calendar. So I think uh, again, I think. His only strategy at this point would be to replace Kamala Harris, you know.
1: Uh, but that's kind of yeah. window dressing. Do you think that would really make a difference in the minds of the people of the voters?
3: Yeah. Again, I think uh, there are a lot of uh, uh, moderate Republicans who don't want to vote for for Trump, and a lot of independents who don't want to vote for Trump. So if somebody, you know, if if he has somebody in his cabinet that would make a viable vice presidential candidate i think a lot of people who oppose uh, who who would vote for biden only be, to hold their nose because of trump would feel more comfortable voting for biden because um, again he's he, he he's not running the country now we don't know who is running uh, the country mm mm-hmm. mhm you know, it's probably like a, a council of, of people in the White House. Uh, so I th- I think it would give uh, Biden an advantage. I don't think it would be uh, an overwhelming advantage. It would improve the odds of beating Trump. The mm-hmm. odds would still be steep. But, he, I mean, the guy, they get, they have to be desperate. Well, you know, it's like right, the, the Titanic and there's only one lifeboat
1: left. What are you going to do? Exactly. But right now, to me, it just seems like, uh, many people are saying, you know what, things are a lot better uh, three or four years ago than they are right now. I think a lot of people, irrespective of their opinion of him personally, would, would vote for Donald Trump just to get those years back.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the Democrats don't realize why they ticked off the public. It's transvestites, and, you know, the, the, the that's a big issue. The border yeah. is a huge issue that they just ignore. uh Prices, you know, the economy, Trump gets high scores on the economy. So people, his base is willing to forgive all his sins because they see the Democrats plunging us into uh, economic and and, cultural and moral moral chaos. Exactly. There is still morality in this country and the Democrats want to sweep it
1: aside. Jim McTagg again, latest book, uh, no problem. Check it out; it's a great read. Jim, I really appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests lined up for tomorrow. Uh, I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>